ESPN. What is up, guys? We are back at it again. Episode 36 of Backyard Sports. I'm your host, Wes Medeiros. Sitting here ready to kick off this, this weekend sports. We got SEC football coming back this weekend, and I am too hyped, too excited. But NFL, some great games over the weekend. MLB, we got some playoffs clinched. We got some divisions clinched. There were some injuries in the NFL. So let's go ahead and get it started, guys. For those of y'all that know me, I'm a huge Falcons fan. A lot of people that listen to this, I know are Falcons fans, and y'all, we're, we're all we're all heartbroken. I, I don't understand what what they were thinking, and I don't want to talk about it, but it's a sports podcast, so we're going to go ahead and talk about it. But guys, that onside kick, man. How in the world, as a hands team, quote-unquote, do you just sit there and watch the onside kick go 10 yards when you damn well know you can touch it before it gets to 10 yards? I don't understand. And the part that makes me more more mad than anything, more upset than anything, is the fact that they called a timeout before the onside kick. So they knew it was coming. They knew what to do. So I don't understand what... What Dan Quinn was thinking. Dan Quinn needs to be out of there. You blow another 20-point lead and to the Cowboys. To the Cowboys of all teams. Like, come on. Dan Quinn, what are you thinking? And for those of y'all that are saying that it's Matt Ryan's fault, guys, over the past two games, oh, let, me get my, let me get my notes out, my handy-dandy notes. Y'all, the past two games, Matt Ryan has thrown for 723 yards, leads the league, six touchdowns, and one interception. Steve, I don't even think the Hawks know how to box out. The, Haw- the Hawks need to worry about playing basketball. They can't even play basketball right now. But Matt Ryan is on pace to have a better season than his 2016 season where he won the MVP and led the, the Falcons to the Super Bowl. That's all I'm going to say about that. Dan Quinn needs to be out of there. The defense needs to step the hell up. Offense, obviously, is not the issue. When you put up 39 points. This is the first time in NFL history a team has put up 39 points and no interceptions and had lost a game. Before then, they were 440-0. and 0. They are 440-1 and 1 now, thanks to Atlanta. I don't understand what, what Atlanta is doing. Dan Quinn, I understand you're a defensive-minded co- uh, coach, but when your defense is your problem, you should probably reconsider your uh, your position as head coach. And Arthur Blank, the fans are talking. So, not just that. Not just the Falcons game, man. There were so many great games. One of the best games of, of the day leading into the night was the Chiefs and Chargers. If y'all didn't watch this game, y'all missed a thriller. Tyrod Taylor goes out in the first round. Leading rookie Joe Herbert O'Hare Bear from Oregon to take the reins. And I'm not just going to say take the reins. He probably won that starting position. He ended up throwing for 311 yards and one touchdown, one interception. He had 11 incompletions. He was 22 for 33. But, guys, for a rookie to come in and to be able to go toe-to-toe with arguably the best quarterback in the league right now and possibly – a bunch of people are saying he could, pot, by the end of his career, be the, the greatest quarterback of all time. To go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes as a rookie and have a chance to win it if it wasn't for a Harrison Butker kicking not one, but two 
58-yard field goals in overtime. The first one, they tried icing him. They called a timeout. He missed, he made that one. Obviously, it didn't count. But the second one he kicked led, you know, won the game for him in overtime. And it was better than the first one. And sorry if y'all see me looking away from the screen, those of y'all that are live, I'm watching the, the Cubs game as well. But, guys, Harrison Bucky, two 58-yard field goals to win the game. Ridiculous. And, like I said before, for Herbert to go toe-to-toe with the Super Bowl champion Chiefs, guys, I'm telling you, Herbert's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the NFL. And if y'all remember our podcast during the draft, I even, it was either during the draft or after the draft, whichever one I said it in, I said Herbert's probably going to be the best quarterback coming out of the draft, if not one of the best. You know, obviously you got Joe, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati doing his thing, but Justin Herbert could arguably be the best quarterback that came out of the draft this year, especially after seeing his debut for the Chargers, you know, all because, yeah, he didn't win the starting position. Tyrod Taylor getting hurt, but guys, he after that game, he definitely ended up taking the starting positions in Los Angeles and for the Chargers. Another great game was the Seahawks and Patriots. Guys, this game was another thriller, another great game. 35-30 was the final with, you know, Seattle on top. I don't understand what it is about these two teams, but every time they play, it seems to come down to the wire. Every time. Y'all remember the Super Bowl, Malcolm Butler with that the interception, which was definitely pass interference. I don't see how that went called. He pretty much laid out the receiver for that interception, but, you know, that was, that was in the past. We won't talk about that too much, but, guys, Time winding down, Cam Newton inside the three. You know he's going to run the ball. You know they're going to give the ball to Cam Newton. Obviously, I don't know what else you're going to do if you are, you know, Belichick, and you probably have one of the the best rushing quarterbacks of all time. I wouldn't call him a dual threat. He still needs to work on his throwing. But for Seattle's defense to stop Cam within the two-yard line, pretty much upended him as time was winding down. To beat them was was phenomenal. If you haven't seen the play, go back, rewatch, watch that play. They dove. They they took him out. They took him out of the legs. A great play. They upended him inside the two yard line. And for those who don't know, Cam's like six five. He's probably taller than that. He's pre- he's pretty big dude. Easily could have just stretched out and got it. But that defense suffocated him and was able to keep him out of the end zone to ultimately win the game. And another great game. But my bread and butter, those of y'all that know, love college football. College football is my all-time ultimate favorite sport. So many great games over the weekend. I went, what, two and one? No. There were two games. Yeah, I went one and one, and I went 0 and one on my upsets of the week. Guys, I had um Oklahoma State being Tulsa. I thought that was a no-brainer. Chuba Hubbard. Heisman candidate. Thought that was a no-brainer. Thought Oklahoma State was just going to steamroll through through Tulsa. Mike, if you're listening to this, sorry, man. You know, we had we had a Mike Garrett on a while back ago, defensive back for Tulsa. And, man, Tulsa gave Oklahoma State a fight, man. It was a great game. Held Chuba Hubbard only 93 yards for – well, I mean, it was the first game of the season. But held Chuba Hubbard, the Heisman candidate – a lot of people actually picked him to to win the Heisman, or not win the Heisman, but be one of the finalists. 
And man, he he didn't do crap that game. To help him another ninety three yards. Oklahoma State had to have two fourth quarter comebacks to beat beat Tulsa. They ended up winning seventeen to nine. But that game was that game was so much fun to watch. Great game. Back and forth game. Tulsa Tulsa held their own. Mike, if you're if you're listening, man, y'all did y'all's thing. Keep it up. Hopefully, we can get y'all get you back on, and you know we can talk we can talk some football, and hopefully we can get y'all back on. But another, I was it wasn't a good game, but a game that impressed me, and one one of the ones that I got wrong was Miami and Louisville. I had Louisville beating Miami. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Miami came out, balls to the wall, just, just pounding Louisville, man. Don't know where that where that Miami team came from. Miami is looking so impressive this year. They're one of the teams that could maybe give Clemson a fight in the ACC. You got Notre Dame, who everyone's picking to give Clemson a fight. But the way Miami has looked these past two weeks has been crazy. Their De'Aaron King has... Extended his his touchdown and passing, you know, streak. You know, he already he passed Tebow last season. He's just continuing that streak with at least one rushing and one passing touchdown. Just continuing it and t- continuing it, and that defense just suffocated Louisville. And the score was a lot closer than than the game was. At one point, Miami was up twenty points. They were up forty seven twenty seven. Ended up being thirty nine forty seven. I believe was the, was the final score, if I'm not mistaken, but. Was not that close. Miami's defense, excuse me, Miami's defense, Miami's offense just reamed them, just suffocated. It, it was it was fun to see. Everyone knows that's one of those teams when when Miami's good, quote unquote. When Miami's good, college football's good. But guys, so far it's been all about the U. They got game day this week against Florida State. I don't know why game day chose that game to go to, knowing they have. The SEC starting this week, and there's a ranked matchup within the SEC. Yeah, Auburn and Kentucky, ranked matchup. But I won't get into that too much right now. That's later on in the show, along with my picks for games of the week for for back row sports. Hopefully, I can do better than last week. I feel I feel pretty good about everything, even my upset of the week. And for those of y'all that want to know what it is, you just had to had to stick around. But my upset of the week last week was. Georgia Tech over UCF, and I thought Georgia Tech had a little bit of momentum going into it. They looked firing on all cylinders against Florida State, except special teams. They had like they had three blocked kicks against Florida State. UCF blocked another one. So within the four, two weeks, Florida State—I'm sorry, not Florida State. Sorry, I'm getting—I'm just rambling right now. In the past two weeks, Georgia Tech has had four blocked punts, guys. Either. Georgia Tech is that good? Florida State is that bad. And the way it looked is just Florida State was that bad because UCF came out and just mollywhopped Georgia Tech. 49-21. Dylan Gabriel was 27-41, 417 yards and four touchdowns. Guys, UCF... We all know the story about UCF. We all know the we should have been in the playoffs. We're the national champions, blah, 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 that. But, guys, this team right here looked like a playoff contender. 
It was the first game of the season. They were playing a very lackluster. Well, I wouldn't say lackluster. They were playing a motivated Georgia Tech team. Georgia Tech had some had some momentum going into the game. They were they were motivated. They came out, drove down the field, first drive, drove down, ended up scoring. Like, all right, cool. You know, feeling pretty good. UCF from there on out it was all. That's all she wrote. UCF just ended up <clears throat> taking it. Georgia Tech had some chances to get back in the game, but like I said, special teams and the the defense couldn't really stay with the the high powered, fast moving UCF offense because they if you watch that game, they were flying up and down that field. Dylan Gabriel had that team moving at lightning speed. It was a great great weekend, fun fun football. But guys, getting into my games of the week this week, there were a couple ranked matchups. The first one that stuck out to me was Pitt and Louisville. Pitt is favorite. Pitt is minus three right now. They're favored by three points. I have them winning it outright. Obviously, Louisville got Molly Watt by by Miami. They have motivation to come in and and want to try to assert their dominance against a two and zero Pitt team. Who has looked? They've looked good over the past couple games. First game was against a, we'll say it was a cupcake game. Week week two, it was it was a little bit closer. But this Pitt team is a good team. They have a good defense, and I think Louisville. They're going to come out motivated. They're going to come out trying to trying to fire it in, trying to hit on all cylinders. And I think they're going to blow their load too soon. I think by the end of it, Pitt will. Not saying Pitt will dominate the game. But by the end of it, Pitt will be in the league because Louisville will just Louisville will blow their load. I know that's a that's a bad way to say, it, but they will just boom all in the beginning and, and be done by the end of the game. So I got Pitt in that one. My second game is another ranked game against Cincinnati and Army. Guys, Army is plus seventy on the year. They have looked great over the past two weeks. They didn't play last week against BYU. It was postponed for for whatever reason. Don't know why. But Army has looked good this season. But I, I got Cincinnati, another fast, high-powered offense against an Army team that, you know, it. the academies, they don't really hold up well against, you know, high-powered offenses, fast-moving offenses because they're not, they're not built. They're not built for that, especially defense. Army, unlike the other service academies, is – so to be in the military – you have to have a height and weight standard, for those of y'all that don't know that. And Army is the only service academy that has to maintain their their weight standards while playing football. Air Force they don't have to during the season, and they can they have a year, quote unquote, to get back within that that weight standard that they have to be in, which just leads into the next season. And same as the Navy. Army is the only one that has to keep a certain weight standard during the season, which hurts them in the long run when it comes to playing these these big group or not group of five. I'm sorry, these big power five teams. And Cincinnati isn't they're they're a group of five. They're in the AAC, but I have Louisville beating Army. You know, even though Army's plus seventy has looked great this year, is another ranked matchup. One of three, I believe, three or four ranked matchups this week, and the game of the day is Miami 
Florida State. Once again, like I said, I don't know why game day chose this because it's going to be a whitewash. And for all my, my Florida State fans out there, Tyler, Steven, Josh, y'all, it's it's about to be it's about to be bad, man. Miami is about oh Miami is about to just whitewash y'all. This isn't even gonna be a game. Miami's about to come out firing on all cylinders. And we'll see if Miami is actually gonna be competitive in the ACC this year. Every every year it was like Miami, Miami, Miami. It's all about the U, Miami. They're going, you know, they're gonna win the ACC, they're gonna win the coastal, blah, blah, blah. You know, so on and so forth. And this year, I actually, I kind of believe the hype, man. We'll see what they do this week against Florida State. Mike Norvell isn't traveling with the team. He was tested positive for Corona. is asymptomatic, but he will not be traveling with the team. So how will how will that affect Florida State going into into this game? With such a big game, big implications already, not just for Miami but for Florida State. Are they going to start off? You know, are, are they going to start off bad? Are they going to start off 0-2? They had a bye week, week two. Are they going to start off 0-2? Can they beat Miami? We'll find out. Especially with Mike Norvell not traveling with the team. Will they be able to, you know, be able to fight that? Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Will they be able to fight that? And my upset of the week, guys, I know I have a bunch of Auburn fans. Guys, I have Kentucky upset Auburn this week. And it, some of y'all may be like, what in the hell? But, guys, this Kentucky team has a lot returning on offense and a lot returning on defense. It's going to be a slobber knocker. It's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be a fourth-quarter game. I have Terry Wilson in that Kentucky offense beat, beat Auburn. Auburn lost too much on defense. They lost too many star players on that defensive line. Kentucky's offensive line is one of the best, in, not even in the SEC. They're one of the best in the SEC, and they will be able to dominate. I wouldn't say dominate, but they will be able to push Auburn's defensive line around when you lose two star players, Derrick Brown, Marlon Davidson. Two star players on that defensive line are gone, and Kentucky is a sleeper team, man. Every year, every year people say it, but this year Terry Wilson in that offense and even their defense – it's it's gonna be a fourth quarter fight. I have Kentucky with the upset. Sorry guys, Bradley. I know. I'm sorry. I had to do it. I told you it was gonna happen. Wait and see on Saturday. But before we move on, guys, a couple days ago I recorded an interview with Saturday Down South's own Chris Marler. If you're watching the live stream, I can't figure it out how to get it onto the live stream, so you would just have to go back and listen to the audio. Version, but guys, it was fantastic. We talked all things SEC. We talked all things Bama, Georgia, Auburn. We had some technical difficulties towards the end, so it kind of, kind of fell out, kind of died. But guys, it was a great interview. If you're in the live, sorry you're not gonna be able to watch it. Go back and listen to the audio. I will re- the podcast will be up tomorrow. No, yeah, if you're in the live, it'll be up tomorrow. If you're listening to this on audio, it's already out because you're obviously listening to it. But guys, it was a great interview. Love the dude. We were able to finally get him on. We've been trying for, for months to get him on, and finally our our schedule's linked up. So let's get good over our interview with Chris Marler. Guys, we are joined today by a very special guest. We've been trying for a while to um, get him on the show, and finally he, he cracked. 
he's he's too um too famous and too popular to be on the show, so we finally got him on. Guys, we're joined by one of the co-hosts of Saturday Dallas House Podcast. I don't know what else you do for the company besides the media stuff, so we're just going to stick with that. We're here with Chris Marler. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm sorry it's taking so long for me to get on here. I'm not too famous. <laughs> at some point. It's not happened yet, but just know when that happens, yeah, like, I'll just I'll keep putting this off. So. No, but it's good that we finally uh, were able to do it, so yeah, I'm no. excited. Y'all are definitely the reason I um, wanted to start a podcast, so... Listen. I appreciate that, man. I do. I appreciate you saying that and then also not stealing any of our ideas for the podcast. <laughs> um, somebody messaged me the other day like on Twitter or something like that, and it was like one of our listeners, and he started a podcast called Fourth and Wrong, and I was like, oh. So that's, that's mine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's, it's good to be here, man. It's, it's I'm good. my best Georgia Tech shirt just for you. I, I figured, you know, you're... I want to say a closet Georgia Tech fan. Everyone that knows you and listens knows you're a. Um, we'll, we'll we'll say split it in half. Bama and Tech. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's like they're obviously not my favorite team, but growing up in Atlanta, going to games with Bobby Dodd, I do I do really love it. So. Yeah, no, I've always I've always wanted to go to Bobby Dodd, uh, only to see Georgia play. Because I mean, you right. you hype that stadium up so much that you know we I have to go before I leave. So we'll see about that. It's I, I tell you what it's. It's a fun stadium. It's, I mean, it still has piss trough, so it's not like it's like super nice. <laughs> but it's worth it just for the Instagram picture of the background of the city. It's good. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. So, for people that don't actually know you, give a, give a little bit about yourself. So, um, my name is Chris Marler. I am the, technically, my role is called the engagement editor at Saturday Down South. I run social media for the most part. Um, Twitter, Instagram, some Facebook. Facebook is not my favorite place uh, for social media stuff. So I, for the most part, run Twitter and Instagram, and then I am the co-host of the podcast. Um, and I do some other stuff as well for, uh, like, you know, Texas Pete, like video work and, and stuff like that. So, look, most of the creative content uh, is, is my my job. So other than that, um, I've been doing stand-up in Atlanta for nine years. And before this, I was a just underachieving um, <laughs> and, and other stuff like that. Like, not that's not a good job. I loved it. Um, but I did it for like a decade. I did it for a decade. So, uh, I also have a, I live with my fiance. I don't know why I pointed because she's outside. Uh, Allie and, and then our dog, Queso Corcovalo. I was like, you can't forget Queso. That's right. Never. So, what, how did you become a part of, um, Saturday Down South? So, it was actually super fortunate. Um, we had, I was bartending um, one night at Houston's, and I, I had been writing stuff on my own for years. So um, I had a blog called, this is embarrassing, it was called Red, White, and Bro. Um, and I did a weekly article called uh, Winning and Boozing. And so it was like an article talking about all the games and previewing the games, kind of like picking a winner, stuff like that. But also, um, most importantly, what booze would... Uh, would be attached to each tailgate for each game. So it was kind of more of like a satire piece, but it was a lot of fun. And I did it for a couple of years and just on my own. And then um, I was bartending one night and I literally overheard these two guys talking about like Auburn. They said Auburn and Tuscaloosa. And I like hijacked the conversation. I was like, what are we talking about down here? Because <laughs> um, at Houston's where I worked, it was kind of like a buttoned up place. So you didn't have a lot of football talk. So I ended up just talking to them and, and kind of 
hit it off with one of the guys. He ended up being the president of Saturday Down South. And oh, wow. Yeah, just like pretty lame. I was like, I got a blog. It's like the whitest thing I've ever said. And he ended up checking it out and, and liked it. And so he ended up hiring me for some like part-time work. Uh, and then it became full-time, so... That sounds like the dream. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get like you. Trying to get this podcast to blow up. So <laughs> what you want to do is 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 like really just drag your feet for several years and then gain as much weight as possible. That's like the best advice I can give you. Yeah. No. I I, I can see that. I just can't grow a, a good beard like you. So I mean that might that might hold me back. So. Well, you can always, you can always wear a, like a, a disguise or something like that. It'll be fine. No there, one knows. There you go. We're good. We're good. So growing up in Stone Mountain. How did you become a, a Bama fan? I don't even think I know this story. Um, well, we can get real uh, if you want <laughs> and, and tell you the whole thing. So my um, whole family on my dad's side is from um, Anniston, Alabama. And so I grew up with a single mom and just one of those like, normal boy stuff, just wanting to do everything your dad did and like, you know, wanted to like, like all the things that he liked and all that kind of stuff. And he, his favorite thing in the world was Alabama football so from a very early age that became our you know bond and so I just was from a very like I think the first game I went to was like in 1990 when I was four um in the first full season I was able to watch it was 1992 and they won the national title and I was just hooked it was just so much fun like I, I just love everything about like just the pageantry of college football and traditions and all kind of stuff it's just it was a blast so literally from day one I, I really was hooked and I, I've loved it ever since so Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, no, I, I've been to Bryant Denny though. I mean, it's it's our, it's not um, it's not Sanford, so you know. That's fair. I mean, it's from like an aesthetic standpoint, it's put together perfectly. But like, I mean, yeah, I'd rather be around Georgia fans than, than Bama fans, especially wow. Bama Denny Bama fans. Wow, that's. I mean, as long as Bama's not losing to Georgia, then yeah. You know that doesn't happen. We we y'all put the second string in, and it's it's a wrap from there. It's. Georgia's, they're getting closer and closer, man. It's, it's, it's only going to last for so long. They're probably going to push through at some point. I'm well, not ready for it. I'm going to hate it, but it's going to happen. Oh, I'm sure, because you're going to get everybody, everybody yeah. coming at you. I don't know if you, like, you probably can't see the actual numbers, but, like, like, our, like that, but whenever Bama loses, that's when we have <laughs> the, the most listens. Whenever Bama loses, in general, that's when, like, the site has its uh, largest numbers. So. Yeah. No, and now that I have your number, it's definitely um, you're definitely gonna get a text from me. So, Appreciate it, man. Appreciate no, no it. problem. That's why I gave it to you. I mean, I expect the same from you. So. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. So, we all know the Big Ten finally came around, and you know, having a season. And I haven't had a chance to listen to your newest episode, but I heard that you um, you dropped the the f bomb. I just, yeah, I did. Um, anybody that knows me. Just off air, I, I don't talk as I don't have as much of a filter, especially as, as Connor. And um, you know, just, just how I talk. Like, have you ever seen like my stand up? Especially, it's just I I don't think it's a bad thing. But <laughs> that's just usually how I talk. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just so excited the Big Ten and everything that's happened, what, what they've done, and kind of like hijacking the sport. And I think honestly, when we look at it. What bothers me the most is, like, I'm, I'm really happy for those kids. I'm happy for the student athletes, the parents, coaches, all kind of stuff that get to play a season. What bothers me is a couple of things. When you look at, from logistics of it, 
scrimmage right and everyone's like oh, i'm not gonna lie i got excited for that i'm like heck yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's coming back especially with the the you know jamie newman opting out i know you probably weren't surprised about that because you told me that your your sights on him were actually you know going down i mean he i think he it's interesting because i think he had a lot to lose i mean this kid's like really a lot of us in terms of it became out of nowhere, he was like the third best returning quarterback in the country <laughs> because of football focus. It was like, well, and you're looking at the numbers, and they're not great. Like the normal things <laughs> you would look up, it's like he had five or six straight. Yeah, there's five straight games with under fifty percent completion percentage. But then, like, like pro football focus, like, well, he had the third most tight window throws of twenty plus yards. <laughs> playing a full 10-game season in the SEC where he might not even win the starting job, might not keep the starting job. I think he had a lot more to lose than he had to gain um, by, by not playing. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely could definitely see that because, like you said, coming from the ACC to the SEC, completely different games. And yeah. it would have been fun to see him play to see if he actually lives up to that hype. But – with him opting out, who do you think actually wins the starting job at Georgia and at Bama? Because, I mean, we don't even know who's starting at Bama right now. I, I, I would be shocked if Matt Jones is not the starter day one. I, I, I'm with Matt Jones. I think that kid's going to be a lot better than people are getting credit for. Um, because, you know, on the podcast, sometimes, but, like, everyone wants to point to the, point to the fact that, well, he, he had Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs last year. So, well, okay, he has two more first-rounders this year. Um, he put like a, a lot of really good numbers I think last year, and he hit against Auburn, Michigan, who which were two top twenty defenses. Um, so I think he is going to win starting job. I think he'll be quarterback, and I think he's going to be quarterback the next season. On the other hand, at Georgia, I, I think it's going to be going at this man. It, like that kid, we had we had Mike on a couple weeks ago, and he brought up the fact that not a lot of people are, are giving this kid a lot of credit, and everyone's kind of just dismissing him, assuming JT Daniels is going to be the guy. 
But it's the kid that's like six, six two, what, two fifty? I mean, he's built like yeah. a student, has the best arm on the team. Uh, my truth is that he, he has one of the best arms in the country. Can throw it seventy-five, uh, eighty yards in the air without that, like any kind of issue at all. I think that he's going to win the starting job. He's also been in the program the longest. I think, like, in a year of uncertainty, that'll go a long way, especially in Georgia that has so many new starters on offense. Yeah. No, and a couple of weeks ago, we actually were lucky enough and got Mike Griffith on. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've said it before, that dude knows everything. He's an encyclopedia when it comes to Georgia right. sport. It's And he... Pretty much said the same thing you did, where Dwayne Mathis is is showing you know the highest potential. He's been in longer. You know you have Carson Beck coming in. You know true freshman. You got a redshirt freshman. You know, and it's we'll see. I, I agree with you. I think Dwayne Mathis will end up being the starter. But moving on, the Heisman. You know the Big Ten starting. Do you think it's Justin Fields' trophy to lose? No, no. I mean. I think if, if it's anyone's to lose, I think it's it's uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, yesterday or I guess two days ago, I was uh, really really cool experience. I was able to be on a conference call with White House staff and and uh, Trump administration. I was going over the behind the scenes look at how they helped with uh, the big team being able to like pull off the season basically. And one of the things they, they highlighted was Trump reached out to Trevor Lawrence the day that, that we want to play hashtag with viral. Oh wow! And, which is just bizarre. Like, I mean, I was in college for a very long time. <laughs> I can't imagine if the press called me. Um, that being said, I think he's the most talented player in the country. I think he's the most talented quarterback in the country. He has, like, I think with his season, especially playing ATC, what he's been able to do off the field has already got the ball rolling. I think for his Heisman. And I don't really see any tough games besides Notre Dame, which is in November when you want to start having your your moments anyway, of where he's gonna he's gonna have that much of a letdown. The thing with Ohio State and Justin Fields, Justin Fields had forty touchdowns and one interception this year. That's ridiculous. I mean that's ridiculous. Um, I think that with Trevor Lawrence like playing more games, having a long game schedule before the conference championship, um, his his stats will be a little bit more padded and also when you look at the, at the Big Ten, they're going to be playing eight games in eight weeks. They're not going to have a bye week. It's going to be really tough for you to have once healthy and also put up like you know, consistent numbers week in week out because you don't know who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing. Um, you know, eight. I mean, eight games in eight weeks is is tough. Yeah. And that I couldn't imagine, but um, Cade Mays. I think it came out today that he. Actually, got cleared by the NCAA to play, unless I read that wrong. I think was it not? I don't know if I read it wrong or not. <laughs> I, so I think it was last night. I think he was still technically waiting on the SEC, but by all means, he's most likely to get cleared. Do you think he'll make a difference at Tennessee? I do. I mean, that, that offensive line's been garbage for, for years. Uh, I mean, Jerry Garantano's been getting lit up um, over and over and over again. I mean, like, how many times have you rewatched, like, you personally rewatched that Eric Stokes hit? Oh, I had it as my background on my phone. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and I know that's not, like, that wasn't Garantano that got hit in that one, but I mean, you know, two years ago especially, that kid took a beating. And oh, yeah. I think when you have a senior quarterback um, running back, you have, you have a, like, they also have two former five stars. I mean, they have, they have arguably the best offensive line in the country in Trey Smith, right? And, and he's going to be an anchor on that offensive line no matter where he's at. They also have, uh, I believe he's a 
a six-year senior now, former Bama player um, playing center, and his name's escaping me now, but a former four-star recruit, like, by all means, a, like, I mean, a man at this point, because he's been playing for six years, <laughs> and then you also have, yeah, two former five-star tackles that um, are going to be going into their sophomore year. I, I think that he's going to help out. I mean, that kid's, that kid's nasty, man. He, he's good. He's really good. And I, I think he'll definitely be able to help with that offensive line. I don't know if it's going to translate into wins, but I think he'll be able to help out. Make a difference. So, you said it on your podcast. You know, we got to need to say it here. Who ultimately ends up winning the East and the West and meets in Atlanta? So, uh, first off, going back to the Heisman thing, I think Sam Ellinger is a really good pick. Oh, I think he's a really good pick to win Heisman. Well, we can talk about that later. But uh, <laughs> with the SEC, um, who goes to the who goes from the East? Who goes from the, the West? I've got I've got Bama in the West. Um, LSU had a lot of turnover, just a lot of turnover. I don't think Auburn. With it, everyone kind of assumes that the Kevin Steele and that defense are going to be just as good as they are every year, and, and they've been a very good defense. They've been very consistent under them. They lost some generational talent. Oh yeah, three out of four defensive linemen. They lost, including a first round. They lost three out of four in their secondary. I'm just not sold that that you know on the offense. Bo Nix will definitely take a step forward, but Bo Nix also has four new offensive linemen and a new running back coming into that offense. So I, I think Bama's biggest competition in the West is going to be. A&M. And people don't want to hear that, but I think that's, that's who it's going to be. Um, that being said, I don't think A&M is going to really challenge them. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, the game's early in the season. It's in Tuscaloosa. I, I just don't see – I think this team's going to have a chip on their shoulder. And everyone's kind of counting them out. I mean, they lost two games by eight points last year. Yeah. I mean, people remember that Auburn game. There were two pick sixes. I mean, like, not making an excuse, but it's like, Bama should have won that game several times. Um, the LSU game, I know it was a five-point loss. That game was not as close as a five-point loss. I, no. I mean, yeah, not, it wasn't. And I think anybody who takes differently is, is not being honest themselves. But that being said, I think Bama is going to come back out really, really strong this year. And, and I think they're going to be healthy, which is the biggest thing. Um, out of the East, everyone's all over Florida, and I don't understand why. Um I mean, they, they just lost a lot of a lot of talent. You know, two years ago, Georgia lost, I think it was three receivers to the draft for the first time in the history of Georgia football. Yeah. They lost, I think, all five of their, their returning um, receivers and, and maybe tight ends. I can't remember exactly what it was. So, and everyone kind of thought, well, you have, you know, five-star coming out with Pickens, you got Blaylock, you have, like, all these other five-stars, like with um, Demetrius Robertson. We saw how much Jake Fromm struggled. I think a lot of that was with Coley, but we saw how much he struggled. I don't think Forge is going to be automatically better on offense because Kyle Trask is returning. The offensive line should be better. I mean, they, they were they were into 113th in the country last year in uh, rushing yards per game. I think that'll obviously improve. That was terrible. But, <laughs> the, I mean, where it's going to come down to is, like, it, it's going to be, how is that defense going to grant them? How are they going to play in big games? Kyle Trask is going to have, I mean, Kyle Trask is no longer the novelty. Like, he has... A target on his back. Everyone's heard about Kyle Trask this entire offseason. Yep. And I think he's a good quarterback. I, don't, I just don't think he's great. I, I don't know how Florida or any team outside of maybe Bama, maybe Clemson, maybe Ohio State is going to score over 20 points in a game against Georgia's defense. And like, I like and that. I'm not just saying that <laughs> if you're a Georgia fan or saying that because, like, trying to, you know, exaggerate. I really don't understand how teams are going to yeah. score more than 20 points against that defense. I mean, it was the number one scoring defense in the country last year. 
They were ranked first in the country in three out of four major uh, defensive categories. I, I just they're only. I mean, like think about how good that defense and how suffocating that defense was last yeah, year. Yeah, right. And think about how young they were. It's. I, I mean, if you lose JRE, who didn't even get drafted somehow, and I'm still surprised by that. But I mean, I think that that defense is has so much talent, and they're so deep, and they're so young. I, I George is my pick from the East, and I, I think there's a very, very solid chance they're going to make the playoffs. Well. Yeah. No. I. You know, when I talked with Mike Griffith, I asked him the same question, and he said, "If Florida couldn't beat that defense last year, there's no way they're beating that defense this year." No. No, and you can talk about Mullen scheming people open and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, it's like it, it's just stupid. It's, I, I brought this up before on the podcast, but like, as a Bama fan, somebody watched Bama, especially watching ba- like Saban's recruiting like over the years, right? Like beginning of all of like the, the dynasty or whatever, the way he recruited was unbelievable because it was at first it was like, hey, they got the number one recruiting class in the country, they got a bunch of five stars and four stars. Then it became like. Hey, we got the number one player in the country at this position, and then, and you're starting to see Georgia do that, where it's not just five stars, but it's like the number two signing classes ago, they signed the number one player in the state in five different states. They Jesus. signed the number one overall high school player in the country and the number one overall JUCO player in the country. I mean, and, and neither one of them, I think, are even well. I think one of them might be starting. There's just so much young talent on this team, and, and I think that if if you if they just can take care of the football, nobody in the East is going to beat Georgia. Yeah, no, I, I, I can agree with that. Not just because I'm a Georgia fan. The only thing I'm worried about is that amount of we lost on offense. We have one returning starter in Pickens. You know, Blaylock towards ACL again. So that's the only thing I'm worried about is is the offense. But I think Kirby and um, Munkin's got got to figure it out. I, I hope at least. It'll be interesting because you know. Jake Fromm's freshman year, Georgia ran the ball 69% of their plays, right? Like, on the dot. And nice. You had Michelle and you had Chubb and all that kind of stuff. It's a different offense. You still have a lot of talent at running back. And you still have five stars everywhere on that offensive line. So, I get it. I mean, I think Pickens is, is one of the best, like, receivers in the country. I don't think he's going to really be able to show it that much this year because of, you know, he did, I don't know who the number two guy is going to be. It's going to be like help him get open. Um, I think if they can somehow find a way to utilize that tight end, Darnell Washington, oh. I think it's his name. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's unfair. So I, I just I think that you're going to see a very like Munkin is supposed to air the ball out a little bit more. I think he throws the ball on average of like of like 59 percent of his plays last year when he was with the, uh, the Browns. I, I think that it's still a clear team. It's going to be ball control. They're going to run the football down people's throats, and they're going to throw the ball as well. But not, they're not going to have to throw the ball. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. So, and last Georgia question, I promise. I, I'm sure you're getting tired of talking about Georgia, but the new uniforms. What What are your thoughts on them? <laughs> they were sick. I don't understand why everyone like the social media just sucks now. Everyone <laughs> just wants to be mad about everything. I, I thought I thought they were awesome. Oh yeah. I, I knew they were going to catch heat because. It was the 40th anniversary of, like, the national championship. Fine, whatever. Um, I, I know I saw some stuff that was, like, the, they looked similar to Auburn's, like, jerseys or whatever. I mean, Georgia wore those uniforms before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, so I thought it was really cool. It beat the hell out of whatever they wore in the Georgia Dome that one year. Um, <laughs> Against Boise? Good God. <laughs> so I, I thought they were really cool. The black ones... Listen, I, I know Bama fans give Georgia fans hell because of the blackout still and, and how 
they might have like a bad taste in your mouth from from wearing the blackout jerseys. I, I don't understand. Awesome. We're three and one in the black jerseys. The only game we lost was the Bama game. Yeah, I mean, so those jerseys are awesome. I mean, they're awesome. I think they should. I think they should make a little bit of a comeback, like once a year or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't like the like the dog chain around the neck. I thought that was awesome. It, it was. They look good, man. And even though the bottom line is. If the kids like them, like if the players like them, that's all that matters. That's what gets recruits. Because, I mean, like I remember when Bama and other teams started first playing um, like rap in the stadium, and like Bama fans were like losing their minds. Like, Ain't no way I'm gonna come here and listen to this crap. And then, the, like the players are just amped up beyond belief, and it's like, dude, like it's not about you. So, yeah. uh, you know, if the recruits like it, and obviously Kirby's doing a phenomenal job recruiting. I think, I think, you know, oh, yeah. everyone else thinks. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the thing is right now is if we'll ever wear the black jerseys because I'm hoping we wear in week two against Auburn. We're wearing the white ones next week against Arkansas, so we'll see. But I didn't understand right. the I didn't understand the caller until I understand what the, what the black jerseys meant, and it's the 100th anniversary of being named the Bulldog. So I'm like, okay, I can, I can get behind the, the caller now. So, all right. We need to know. Y'all's motto is, it just means more. Or, yeah. What is your story? Your it just means more story. What is my it just means more story? Yeah. Um, okay, first off, I've got like two different audios going on right now with you. Um, I got like current audio and then what we were just talking about. Um, but my it just means more Sorry, I sold my car in 2009 to go to the SEC championship game. Uh, it was like a piece of shit. Um, it was like 350 bucks. I, I mean, in hindsight, I should have gotten more than $350 for that car. <laughs> I totally understand that. But um, I knew it was going to cost 350 for the cheapest ticket to get into the stadium, and I had a friend that had a, um, uh, a suite for the game. Nice. And so a guy showed up where my car had been like, parked at this like, shop for like, months. Guy showed up and he's like, You wanna sell that car? I was like, Yeah. He's like, how much you want for it? I was like, three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> and I was able to go down to the game. I got into the, the suite, Tebow cried. It was completely worth it. Nice. It was awesome. Nice, yeah, nice, so. nice. Dude was great to talk to, so much fun. But guys, MLB is heating up. There is a week left. It's almost done. It's crazy to think. <laughs> that Major League Baseball is almost done. We didn't, we didn't even know if we were going to have a season. But, guys, there's been some clinching. The Yankees have clinched. The Padres have clinched. The White Sox and Dodgers have all clinched. And these aren't divisions. These are just playoff spots. There's only been one team so far to clinch, and that has been the Oakland Athletics. And the Georgia boy, Columbus, might I add, Jordan Weeds has been on the hill, able to help this team to – Clinch a playoff, division, playoff spot and win the division for the first time since 2013. So congrats to the Oakland A's. Congrats to Jordan Weems and the rest of that Oakland Athletics team on winning the division for the first time since 2013. We still – there hasn't been a lot of NL clinches. There's been two teams in the NL right now that have clinched, and that is the Dodgers and the Padres. We're still waiting on – the Central. We're still waiting on the the East. The Braves are in the lead right now in the East, and the Cubs are in the lead right now with the Central. They're down two nothing right now against Pittsburgh, which is going to be a horrible loss if they lose this because they definitely need this win with their magic number being nine. They're at like three and a half right now. 
So the Cubs definitely need this win, and the Braves they've been they've been back and forth here lately. We they're going to end up winning the East. They're up three and a half, three games, something like that against Miami. So pretty. I don't want to jinx it, but the Cubs and the Braves will end up winning the division, and I think the wild card will end up going to Miami. Miami will get that second wild card in the in the um, National League. Don't know who the second one will be. It's looking like the Padres right now because the Dodgers have a have a pretty good lead. So I'm pretty sure the Padres will end up getting that second second wild card in the National League. But some breaking news that happened last night. Not in baseball, but in NASCAR. Guys, Michael Jordan is expanding his horizons. Think about that. I brought up NASCAR, and now I'm bringing up Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has created a Jordan racing team. Michael Jordan is the owner of a NASCAR team. He's got two racers right now, Bubba Wallace, you know, the infamous, in the news on the long go for the, the news in the garage. And Denny Hamlin, who's one of the best racers right now, has the second most wins this season behind Kevin Harvick. But guys, that's a good that's a good pickup for that Jordan team. Uh, they're both good racers. Bubba Wallace isn't a bad racer, isn't a bad driver. He was just on a bad team with Richard Petty and some bad cars. But guys, Jordan Racing will take over the circuit next season, 2021. Keep your eyes out for that. It's going to be great. But going back to the NFL before I get into our our fantasy updates, guys, there were so many injuries in week one. It was ridiculous how many injuries there were week one. You have Nick Bosa tearing his ACL. You have Saquon Barkley tearing his ACL. You got Christian McCaffrey out for multiple weeks with an ankle injury, which the Christian McCaffrey one hurts my – Hurts my fantasy. He was on my team. Didn't hurt me this week, guys. I am 2-0 on fantasy. So getting into that, our fantasy league for the back row sports. Guys, we had some some great games over the weekend. We had myself against Boston Formy. I got the win 141.64 to 112.68. The leading score for me was Kyler Murray with 32 points. And the leading scorer for Boston for me was Patrick Mahomes with 27 points. Looking at this, he should have put in Cam Newton. I know you're listening to this, Brandon. You should have put in Cam Newton, man. He had 35 points. But I'm glad you didn't because I ended up going 2-0. Moving on, we got Dub Bears DBs versus Central City Flashers. The Bears DBs ended up winning 151.98 to 90.98. Bradley, I know you're watching. Boy, you're 0-2. Come on, man. You, you got to do something. The leading scorer for the Bears was Josh Allen, the Buffalo quarterback, with 35. Yeah, damn near 35 points. We'll say 35. Crazy, 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 crazy. And the leading scorer for the Central City Flashers was Zeke with 22. Guys, Central City Flashers have Tom Brady as their quarterback. That man got nine points this week. Nine. Guys. Tom Brady is a system quarterback. I'm just going to leave that there. Moving on. Team Anonymous versus K 
King Dimes AP. Guys, this is probably our closest game. Team Anonymous ended up pulling it out 122.04 to 117.06. Like I said, probably our, our closest game. The leading scorer for Team Anonymous was Waller from the Raiders. 28.3. The leading scorer for King of Dimes was Mike Evans with 23.4. Probably our best game this week. Our next to last game, Halftime Holly versus AJ's Leg. Guys, Halftime Holly, it's 2 0, 137.4 to 122.46. Another great matchup right there. His leading scorer was Dak Prescott with 39.8 points. Dak had a great game against Dallas or against Atlanta. And the leading score for AJ's Legs was Higby for the Rams at 28.4. And our last game of the week for this week in Backer Sports Fantasy Group was Team Nation versus Smith Station Ramrods. Team Nation ended up pulling it out 124.76 to 104.5. The leading scorer for Team Nation was McLaren from Washington with 25.5. And the leading scorer for the Smith Station Ramrods What's Kamara with 38.4? Guys, that wraps up our fantasy league, our fantasy week. Guys, I know all y'all sitting there in the live right now saying, damn, where did he get that shirt from? Y'all, our sponsors at Hook and Real have hooked us up, guys. They got great merchandise like this. They got great keychains, stickers. They got everything you want. Flags. Guys, they will hook you up. Let them know we sent you. And guys... SEC football is back this weekend. I'm going to leave y'all with that. If you haven't already, scroll down to the bottom of the screen if you're listening to this. Leave a five-star review. Leave a comment. Let me know what y'all want to hear. Guys, I love y'all. Appreciate y'all everything y'all are doing. If you haven't yet and you're listening to this, <laughs> I just dropped my phone. If you're listening to this in your car, over the speaker, on the audio, guys, join the Facebook group. That is the only way you will be able to get the live. Guys, Hope, see y'all next week. Hope I have better predictions this week and hope my upset of the week actually works. I love you guys. Here's to next week. See ya.